Grace and peace to you from him who was and who is and who is to come again, our Savior Jesus. Dear friends, it's almost here. We're just a little over 30 hours, 30 plus hours away from from our Christmas Eve worship here at Foundation from the Christmas Eve celebrations that we've been eagerly anticipating for a month, maybe even more. Christmas is exciting, right? It's a time that that we love. There's so much anticipation built up to it. So many people love Christmas. And we can understand why, right? Christmas, we want to be surrounded by by family, by friends, by, by those that we love. We want to give gifts to people that they're going to love, and we wouldn't mind if, you know, we got one or two things that that we really loved either. We look forward to eating foods that that we tie with that event, and it creates a memory in our mind, and and we love it. We want to sing songs that we love. We we drive around and go look at, at Christmas lights because we love to see them twinkling in the dark. There's so much about Christmas that we love. But we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of of what Christmas and love are really all about. And that's why it's our first takeaway this morning. That there are many things that I love about Christmas. And that's a good thing. But Christmas is really about God's love. It's good to have the family, the friends, the fun, the festivities, the food, all of those things. They are so good, and God blesses us with them, right? They're they're good gifts from God. But let's not lose sight of what this holy day, that's where holiday comes from, what this holy day is really all about. It's about the, the breadth and the depth and the height of God's awesome amazing, unbelievable, incomprehensible love for you, for me, for all people. And that's why the words that we're going to read in just a moment are are important as we head into the home stretch, the final countdown for Christmas. They're the words that follow right after an event that maybe you've heard about. Um, it, It It took place in a small town, but not the small town we heard about in the children's message from from Micah. Not Bethlehem. It took place in a a small town, kind of a rinky-dink, podunk place called Nazareth with this young lady named Mary who was pledged, promised to be married to Joseph, but they, they weren't yet married. And so they had not consummated their marriage. They hadn't slept together. Mary was a virgin. And that's why when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, the news that he shared with her was especially shocking, right? You're going to have a baby. Whoa. And maybe even more shocking, that baby's going to be God. Wow. He's going to be the Savior that God had promised for, for centuries, for millennia, And here it is. This is the the fulfillment of all of those promises. 
right here, right now. God coming in the flesh. To help Mary kind of wrap her head around this, not that Mary didn't believe it, she did, and spoke amazing words of of faith that trusted God's promise. But to help her get her head around this life-changing news, the angel told her about her relative Elizabeth, a woman who for her whole life had never been able to have children and now was, was past childbearing years and but was six months pregnant. And Mary's response to all that the angel had said to her is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The very next thing that's recorded in the Bible are the words that we're about to read from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Mary went to go visit her relative, Elizabeth, and she found everything exactly as the angel had told her, right? She found Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah pregnant in a, in a miraculous way. Not the same miraculous way. No, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had, they had been trying for decades. They had prayed for decades, but they had never had children. And now, after, after all hope was gone, after it was physically impossible to have children, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah and told him, Now you're going to have a son. Your wife is going to be pregnant. You're going to have a baby boy. You're going to name him John, and he's going to be great. He's going to have this huge purpose, not in business world, but in God's world. Because he's going to be the one who prepares the way for the Savior. As Mary reached Zechariah and Elizabeth's home and and she called out her greeting, Elizabeth, I'm here! God records this amazing event, doesn't he? He he tells us that the unborn baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And it wasn't just a, a kick and it wasn't just a turn. In fact, God, the Holy Spirit, inspires Elizabeth to tell us this baby leaped for joy. See that baby, John, in his mother's womb, six months developed. And Elizabeth, his mother, they they recognize something that I think sometimes we lose sight of. Sometimes we, we kind of push to the back burner. In all of the other things that we love, that we treasure, that we enjoy about Christmas, they remembered They were in the presence of God himself. God had kept his promise. He himself had come 
to save us. And Mary then, she sings a song, right? And that's what we're going to take a look at next. And it's kind of interesting because I want you to think about what song would you sing? If you were living in a, a time when society wasn't very gentle, very loving to unwed mothers, and Mary was, you know, she's engaged to Joseph, but Joseph knows that's not her, his baby. And so the only logical conclusion is that, well, she's pregnant and it's not mine and that doesn't just happen, except in this case. And so she must have been unfaithful. I mean, this event was going to be a crisis for Mary. It was going to be embarrassing for Joseph. This was going to, to turn her life completely upside down. And not in an easy way. And so we might expect Mary to sing a song that says, why me, God? Right? Isn't that the song we kind of want to sing when things don't go our way, when, when life happens? Why me, God? This isn't fair, God. I didn't ask for this, God. But that's not the song that Mary sang. Let's take a look. Beginning at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's the song Mary sang. In this life crisis, that's her song. Not poor me, but wow, God. It's a song of love, a song of God's love for her, undeserved and, and even unexpected, right? This amazing, overflowing love, not, uh, but Wow. The Savior's coming. And, and I think that it's important for us, as Mary was awed by the love of God for her, that we take the time to do the same. That's our second takeaway this morning. That God wants me to marvel at his love for me at Christmas. And let's be honest, every day. God, the infinite God that the Bible says the universe cannot contain, chose to contain himself in the womb of a virgin. God, who has no beginning and no end, chose to be born so that he could die. God that is all-powerful, chose to become dependent 
on that young mother. We like to think of ourselves as, as pretty high and intelligent creatures, right? And, and we are, except when it comes to comparing ourselves to God, the infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God. And yet God became like us. He came into this broken world. He came in the same way that you and I do. He came to live with us so that he could die for us. And there's no reason that God would do any of that except love. His love for you. His love for me, his love for all people. See, because God wants us to love Christmas. But not to get caught up in the, in the things that we love about Christmas. Not to get caught up in the, in the gifts and in the people and the food and the music and the, the nostalgia and all those things. They're good. But God wants us to understand that, that when that becomes what Christmas is all about, we've actually lost Christmas. See, because we've made this idea, this notion about what Christmas should be, to be our God, to be what it's all about. And God says, that's not Christmas anymore. And we know this, don't we? We know this because our, our ideals, our hopes, our dreams, our prayers of what Christmas is going to look like. Well, raise your hand if every Christmas has gone according to plan. Exactly. No hands, right? Because well, let's be honest, even the people that we want to surround ourselves with, even the people that we love the most, eh, sometimes at Christmas it's not always great, is it? And sometimes that's through no fault of anyone's. Sometimes it's the consequence of sin. Consequence of sin that, that spouses squabble or that kids fight. Or the consequence of sin that some aren't with us. Because the consequence of sin is death. Sometimes it's a consequence of sin that we get sick and the flu goes around and, and people can't travel and flights get delayed and roads are closed. And, well, that warm and fuzzy feeling of love with our loved ones isn't always so warm and fuzzy, is it? And the, those gifts, you know, the gift that, especially that one, right, that you put time and you put thought and you invested money into so that you could give to that person because you love them and you were so excited to see them open it and while their words said one message, their face said something else. It wasn't quite what they wanted. It wasn't what they had hoped for. It wasn't what they loved. And maybe you get the gifts and you open them and not quite as good as advertised. Doesn't fit quite right. Songs are a little off key, right? All of the things that we build up into this beautiful picture of what Christmas is supposed to be like, that really almost never happens, does it? Because when we make it about what we love, we actually lose what Christmas is all about. That's our third takeaway this morning, that Christmas isn't intended to be this magical, special time because of what you love. 
No, when I make Christmas about what I love, it's always going to fall short. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. That doesn't mean you can't treasure it. But when that's the whole purpose of this holiday, holy day, it never, it never reaches its full potential. Because Christmas is really about God's love. God's love that fills my greatest need. My deepest longing. See, that's because Christmas is about Christ. That shouldn't be a surprise. It's in the Word. Christmas is about Christ. But it's so easy to forget that. Right? We've got all these other things that take our time and our energy and our attention. And we want to make it about these, these things that we create memories around and that we treasure up like Mary did. And that's okay. But don't lose sight of what it truly is. Christmas isn't about my love. Christmas is about God's love. God's awesome love. God's amazing love. God's unfathomable love. God's love that he would be conceived in the womb of really nothing special about her woman. In the middle of Nowheresville, Nazareth. God's love that he would be born not in a nice hospital, not in a palace that he constructed just for himself, not to the world's best doctors, but in a barn surrounded by animals. God's love that he would talk to sinners, that he would live with broken people, that he would teach hurting and longing people because he had come to save those broken, hurting, longing, sinful people. See, that's what Christmas is. It's our last takeaway this morning, that Christmas is about God's gift of love, that he would become like me, all so that he could save me. Mary sang about that love, didn't she? She sang about that amazing, indescribable love of God. And it's, it's worth remembering. It's worth rereading. It's worth pondering and, and thinking about God's awesome love. Especially at Christmas time, but really, really every day. That Christmas is all about God's gift to you and me and to all people. And here's why that's important. Because I'm fairly certain that your Christmas is not going to go exactly like you want. And I'm even more confident that your life isn't going to. Are your loved ones going to squabble? Probably. Is there going to be conflict at home? Yep. Are loved ones going to pass away? Yeah. And in the midst of all of that, God loves you. So whether the food tomorrow, next month, three years from now is great or okay or really non-existent, God loves you. 
and whether the, the new year starts off with a whimper or a bang, God loves you. And whether the, the promotion you would hope for comes along or an unexpected job search, God loves you. Whether you set a new personal best running or working out or whether you are never able to run again, God loves you. And Christmas is the proof. Christmas is the proof that God loves you because God became like you to save you. He became like you, lived in surroundings filled with people who were hurt and who hurt you. He, he, filled, he was, was living in a world that, that longed for nothing but to take him down, and he did it so that he could save you. See, that's, that's what Christmas is. It's the proof of God's love for you, that he became like you to save you. And if you're struggling to remember that, Go back to that first Christmas night. Listen to what the angels said. A Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And when life isn't going the way that you expected, we'll journey in Luke 2 with those shepherds and go peek over their shoulder at the virgin holding her son, holding God for you. Because Jesus came to be born for you. And if things aren't going right, they're not going the way you planned, they're not going the way you expected, go back and listen, reread Mary's song. Because it wasn't a song of pity, it wasn't a song of frustration, it wasn't a song of hurt, it was a song of marveling at God's love. Right? The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So we're T-minus 30 hours. And I pray that your Christmas Eve prep goes well and the next 24 hours after that. And that your Christmas is everything that you built it up to be in your mind. That it's everything you hoped for. But it just might not be. It might not be quite perfect. Except that the one who makes you perfect was born on Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. That God became like me to save me. And I pray that you treasure that and marvel at that and let that wrap up and bandage all of the things about Christmas that don't go quite the way you want. Because the best part is, God came. And it's God's gift of love for you. Amen. May the peace of our God, which goes beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.